0: So join me now for another Empowering Chat. Hey everyone, Uh, Susan again. So Empowering Chats every year has a theme. This year, as you've heard, I'm sure, is B Potential. So the month of January, my team and I decided the B is going to stand for bravery. Bravery. So let me tell you what bravery means. It means brave spirit or conduct, courage, courage valor magnificence bravery and we also felt like bravery is is something that is brilliant it brilliance and um, we came up with another word under bravery bountiful can we have can we be bountiful in our bravery which means having a lot right having over so much that it in some ways kind of feeds your soul right? to be that brave so yeah bravery in your in finding your potential in 2024 and i've interviewed some amazing people for this month i i really know you're going to fall in love with each of them and um be inspired and in the meantime you can get my book live an empowered life a 30-day journey it comes with um inspiration cards, and or you can go to Inside Timer through my website, SusanBurrell.com, and listen to guided meditations I have there if you're looking to find inspiration to feel more brave. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. So um, a new day, a new year. I, I Yeah, wherever we are, um always a new day in your life anyway because you can have it be brand new in every single moment so i'm just saying that up front this um author that i'm going to have a conversation with i'm i i said to her earlier before we started recording um reading through her book it's 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 a specific topic book which you'll understand in a few minutes but in reading through it, she has amazing, beautiful exercises that I would do for myself. Um, in fact, I'm going back and asking some of the questions she asks, and then has you um, do writing because you all know I love to write. Um, but so it's so it is a specific topic, but I think it's a beautiful uh, self-awareness book that guides uh, individuals into the uh, well. She uses the word transparency a lot. The transparency of their inner truth. So um, the book is called "Let Us Be Greater: A Gentle Guided Path to Healing for Adoptees," and I want to welcome Michelle Madrid. Michelle, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I'm honored to be with you today.
0: Yeah. I, so when um, when this book came across my desk, Michelle, and it was a and it's about adoption, adopt healing practices for adoptees, and. I actually have a sense it's also a great resource book for uh families that are considering adoption to know how to help the new individual um really know themselves. So this tell us a bit about your story Michelle um that has led you to be greater the greater you. Oh Thank you. Uh, that is a beautiful
1: question, and I so appreciate your thoughtful and supportive words. Well, my story started in the United Kingdom. Um, I am the daughter of um, first parents, uh, an English mom and a Spanish father. Um, my mom was married with three children, and she um, Had an affair with my father and I am the product of that affair and there was you know so so many (laughs) um challenges swirling around this this um chapter in my life in my mom's life and my father's life and in the lives of um bio siblings um Who did not know me at the time, did not know of me at the time. But ultimately, um, my first mom made the decision to bring me into the world to carry me to term. And then beyond that, the decision was made to place me in foster care. And so I was placed in foster care. My foster records say, you know, that my mom took me um, to my foster care on a cold morning. The chimney at the foster home was not working, it was cold in England. And, uh, uh, chaotic with, you know, mid working around trying to uh, fix the fix the chimney. Yet my mom left me there amid, as it says in my foster records, the, the chaos and the cold. And um, she walked away and exited my life as did my bio father. And I think there was something in that moment on a cellular level just in my nervous system um, that felt very much um this sense of the cold, the chaos, um the severing of that moment. And I was left in foster care, and there were, you know judgments made as can happen, even when you're just a young, tender, innocent child about your potential and your worth. And certainly that happened. It's documented in my. Foster Records social workers said I was difficult to place. I would be difficult to place. I was dark like my Spanish father, Um, even odd looking, strange looking, they said, and um, the unwanted illegitimate daughter of the two. And yet, uh, an American family did um, step in. And they were looking uh, for a little girl. They had two sons of their own. They adopted me and Um, That shift, that transition of the world um, that I knew began, and I was ultimately brought to the U.S. to be raised inside of an adoptive home that was not perfect because no family is perfect, right? We know that. Right, right. Um, I had an adoptive father who struggled with alcoholism, and um, I, I felt not connected in many ways to him emotionally. It felt unsafe emotionally. In that home, there was verbal and emotional abuse that happened. Um, my, mo- my mother and I, my adoptive mother and I were close. Um, I felt very much the protector of my mother, um, very loyal to to my mother in that way. And I would just say that I I grew up with a sense of um, living, somehow existing, surviving between two identities, two worlds. I didn't know how to bridge those two things. And as an adoptee, when I would um, try to talk with my mom, my mother um, in America about um, the the confusion that I felt, uh, the sense of sadness and loss, she would say, just be grateful. I saved you from a very hard place. Just move forward. And yeah. Um, you know and so and on the other side of that um once i reunited with my bio mom as a teenager she would always say just stiff upper lip love stiff upper lip <laughs> and so there was a lot of um avoidance going on of the emotions that i felt um the hurts that were living inside of me and a lot of pretending that like they didn't exist mm-hmm. and I, and i will just say from there um the journey began um When I, you know, I can remember college, I I went to college in New York and I began to have these awakenings of the need to find me. Like I was somehow lost within myself and I needed to find me an authenticity, the real me. And I needed to connect to something that felt very much lost in my life as an adoptee, as a young woman. And I think that's when the journey sort of embarked for me, of just an awareness and awakening that somehow I had been disconnected from a sense of self that was not healthy and would never lead me lead me to a place of wholeness if I did not tend to it properly.
0: Right. So, Michelle, let me let me just backtrack a little bit for cl- for me to um, have clarity. So, when you when your birth mother delivered you to your adopted or, or your foster care, how old were you actually? Were you like? A newborn or?
1: My mom had me for just a few short weeks, about two months, and she knitted clothes for me, baby clothes for me, and she did care for me, and then she left me in the care of my
0: foster mom. Okay, and then when you were a- adopted by your American family, how old were you? I was just um, entering my toddler um, chapter
1: of life, and um you know, um, once I was adopted, I became no longer Julia Dawn. That was the name that my um, first mom had given me. I became Michelle Ann. And that was a whole sort of other layering, you know, really before I could speak to that, feeling that severing of the first identity and becoming this this different person with a new identity, new family and new country, new culture.
0: Yep. So in in, in your book, you talk about the uh, the that the whole identity begins in the womb. That there's energy in the womb that and that a child um, can feel in the external world. So, because it it was interesting to me to just read that because I think a lot of people have an assumption that well it's just a baby or they're they're they are they they can not really speak. So really, are they thinking or whatever that you know story is. But there is uh, an identity that forms as the embryo is for me.
1: Yes, and I, I do believe that I always had this feeling that our stories begin in the womb, adopted or not. Um, and there's science that is now backing this, you know, that we are not mother and child while in the womb we are mother, child, we are w- one. And so the the child in the womb, feels and experiences what the mother is going through in the world. And so we enter the world with a lot of information. Um, There's a book by Dr. Bruce Lipton called The Biology of Belief that has really helped me sort of sort through um, this um, just intuitive knowing that I feel like I've always had. Um, And I do believe that I felt my mother's struggle while I was in her womb, And I do believe that there were, um, you know, sort of limited, a a sense of programming that was um, put in place where I came into the world just feeling like the world was a very fragile place and that perhaps I wasn't fully wanted, fully loved in this world that I've been delivered into. And I think it's really important to know when you are considering adoption, if you are adopted, that we do enter the world with information and we have to at some point ask ourselves, is the programming I've been programmed with or the beliefs that I believe or the thoughts that I'm thinking serving me toward living my my highest level of good in this life? And if not doing the work of shifting that, examining that, excavating those places and 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 transforming limiting belief into limitless truth, as I like to say, but there's no doubt that I came into the world feeling um, the struggle that my mother was was struggling through. I felt her pain. I I know that because you know even when I was uh, placed in foster care, in my records it says um, that I I lost a good amount of weight as a baby, but nothing was wrong with me. It said. Mm. Mm -hmm. um and i'm and i read that and i've read that many many times over and i've sat in stillness with that line nothing's wrong with her how could it how could anything be wrong she's just a baby ah what could she possibly you know what could she know um but the fact of the matter is i think everything was wrong in that moment because i was a baby who knew on a cellular level that her mother had left and i think that the loss that the the tremendous loss of weight at that time was my processing of a grief that I felt inside of me that I could not verbalize. Right, I mean, just swirling around inside of me, and I do believe that uh, it was reflected in that that weight loss as as a baby. I was grieving. I right. didn't know it. No one knew it. You know, I couldn't verbalize that, but that's what was going on.
0: And in in your book, let us be greater. You say. Um... Many adoptees have not been permitted to openly grieve their loss. Society is only just beginning to understand what adoptees have always known, that adoption is rooted in loss, that one family must come apart for another family to come together. One relationship must go through a severing for another relationship to be sown. Michelle, that's like, yeah, yeah. It just, that just kicked me in the gut and, and, but, but, and, and also, um, with what you just described about emotional feeling as an embryo and, um, belief systems already being laid down, it, it actually gives me, um, cause I'm always on a, uh, not always, but I dip into, um, feeling unworthy And I'm not, and I'm not adopted, you know. But I know, and so you just like gave me another little tidbit of why I still dip there, even though I've worked it, I've released it, I've written a book about it, you know. I still go there, and it's in it, and it makes sense. It was programming that from the the emotional state of the mother, which is really important, I think for young women who are considering being coming pregnant to be aware that from the minute you conceive you are now informing this unborn about to be newborn uh child of how to deal with the world and it's so i think it's important to have your shit together everybody before you get pregnant let me just say that ooh i just had tingles when you said that because it's so true
1: it's so it's so very true because you know I I do believe that that sets um, just such a powerful setting of um, how we come into the world, how safe we feel the world is, and also our place and our promise in this world. Um, and it's it is very important to be aware of that and to make sure that your surroundings, while your child is, developing inside of you that that in that in internal garden of who you are is being nourished i'm not saying it has to be perfect we all have work to do but an awareness of how powerful that is for your child your unborn child and to really nurture the soil of who you are as a woman as um, a mother as a human being a soul moving through this physical experience to nurture what is waiting for us within and to make sure that you're doing um, the tender, loving, compassionate work of giving yourself all the nourishment you need um, to grow into who you're here to be. But also when we are looking at becoming parents, that we're able to offer that to our children
0: um, in utero and, you know, and beyond in utero and beyond yeah so okay so let's go back to um your book because you you mentioned that there's eight pain points that adoptees um experience and some of them don't necessarily experience all eight but um and again michelle i'm saying this you guys because in reading i'm like oh i got that pain point oh i got that pain point oh oh and again, with your exercises later, we'll get to those. But let's talk about the eight pain points. You know, it's, I was doing an um,
1: interview last night and the gentleman said, I'm not adopted, but I, I feel these. And I said, well, you know, I think that there are at least a million gazillion ways that this life experience can leave us feeling disconnected from ourselves, rejected, abandoned, and, you know, sometimes feeling shattered and left on the floor. And so I think that when we can um, lean into one another... And here are um, unique individual experiences. We're able to find um, so much common ground. And and I I appreciate you saying that um, these pain points have resonated with you as well, at least some of them for adoptees, because I have written this book um, within that framing. The pain points are the pain of feeling unwelcome in the world, the pain of broken bonds and a deep sense of loss the pain of being denied access to truth, Mm -hmm. The, the pain of familial rejection that could be from either bio family side or adoptive family side, and words that harm, the pain of distrust, the pain of banished biology, the pain of pleasing others versus pleasing the self, this has been a big one for me, and the pain of lack of transparency and acceptance. So those are the eight points of pain that I move through and ultimately through the exercises, approaches, uh, meditations, et cetera, awakenings in the book, we we hope to and work to um, transform those points of pain into points of light for the reader.
0: Yeah. I, and you have little pauses in the book where um, I just want to read this one. I it, It's still toward the beginning of the book, but um, you have the pause and it says, adopt the awakening. Adoptee stories begin in the world, which we've talked about. Adoptees have a perceived sense of the world and their place in it before they even take their first breath. Adoptees enter the world with a great deal of information, which is important for the individual to know. And then another one um, that I earmarked is um, adoptee awakening. Healing is ancestral work. What you heal for yourself, you heal for your entire family line, past, present, and future. The process of healing your life as an adoptee is just that powerful. And and I talk about this, this has been my personal process of healing ancestral lines. And and so it I love that you had this in your book, that it doesn't matter if you know your family of origin or not, the work, the inner work that we all do individually. To really know ourselves, like you were talking about, and nourish ourselves, and um, and it 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 just heals everyone. It heals your family line. It's it's and I know that to be true. I've experienced it. Um, so to to let them know, I think it would be powerful to as an adoptee to say, well, even if I don't know them, I still can be uh, useful. I still can give and I can give love, even though maybe I didn't feel that I was receiving that. I think that's so powerful, Michelle.
1: Oh, thank you. And you know, I, I am a big believer in we cannot give to others what we have yet to give to ourselves. And so I had to make the decision at some point in my life that the the pain stops here, the suffering stops here, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I get all hands up because I don't want to carry that pain and suffering forward into future generations. And some of the most powerful uh, work that I've done on my own with, you know, um, alternative therapies has been that, As you know, one that I just comes to my mind is a somatic um, therapy session that I had where I I literally um, spoke to my ancestors um, mm-hmm. and, and it started with my Bio family, I I really felt like I needed to heal my bio family line, my that ancestral line, and and unite them, and I you know envisioned them starting with my first parents and then you know their parents and on and on and on, and I remember saying during this session, you know I I forgive you, I forgive myself, I am ready to lead us forward. In this healing process, it stops with me. And if I am the one chosen to make this shift, let it be so. And then I turn my back and I imagine their hands on my shoulders with my first mom, my first father, and and th- and then their parents and 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 reaching back and back and back into our ancestral line, and just this powerful sense of me leading the way as this. Um, this soul who's been brought here as um, a catalyst for healing my ancestral line and the power of that mm-hmm. and the love that I felt that I'm not alone. And I actually feel my ancestors with me all the, right now as I'm speaking. I feel them around me. I think it's such a thin veil between here and there. Yes. And I I really imagine it as that, that they are with me And that although I can't clearly see them and pull back the veil, I can experience them within myself because the truth of the matter is they pulse within my veins. They are that close. And that's what I hope adoptees or anyone um, can really take in. That we are called to heal the wounds of past so that we don't bring them into the present and the future. And that is important work and indeed, um, I think it is, um, it's is—it's a life-affirming gift to give to ourselves and
0: all those yes. we love. And it's timely. It's timely okay. with what is happening. Uh, and you said you came into the chaos and a cold. Uh, but it's what's happening right now, everybody. There's chaos. There is a coldness towards others. and it, And what you just described, Michelle, is so important for us to unite and move together as a humanity so so it, who's oh my gosh who i often ask myself this and when i work with clients who's to say that your life who could ever say that your life doesn't have meaning was not on purpose that you were brought here for whatever it is in how you interact in relationship with others to to enlighten others or or uh like you're talking we're talking about enlighten ourselves from the inside out to, to go oh i am i'm my soul is here to bring this light to be more me that to you talk about be um becoming um feeling internally worthy and and being transparent and in order to be transparent which which to me means I can see me, I can see me, as opposed to I'm going to be transparent with you, but seeing myself, and then you get to live more you. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yes, you did. Yes, that
1: self-transparency, which leads to a place of self-acceptance. I used to run as fast as I could from a place of transparency within. I did not want to look at all the ways that I felt so unworthy, yeah, um, so disposable, yeah. so ugly and messy. And the cause of my first parents walking away and the cause of my adoptive father drinking, I was the cause of none of those things. You know, when we begin to see ourselves as innocent in all of it, We can begin, I think, to step forward on the path of self-forgiveness. And when we do that, we offer space to forgive others because that is the most liberating gift to give to ourselves. And then we can, with love and compassion, look at ourselves and say, you know, I want to be transparent with myself. I want to know myself. I want to know the person I see in the mirror. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. really want to know, love, accept, embrace this person and do the work that, We've been uniquely assigned in this life to do. I cannot do that if I'm not willing to look at the messy parts and also to open myself to seeing the miracle in the mess and not just say, well, that happened to me, and so I can't grow, I can't evolve, I can't be loved, I can't show love, give love. No, no, I want to see the miracle. Okay, this happened perhaps for me and not to me, as hard as it has been. that's hard. It's hard. But if I can't at least ask myself that question and explore that on my own, in my own time, in my own way, along this journey, I don't believe I could have ever gotten to the place where I am now, having written this book, talking to you now, feeling like a whole woman with purpose and with passion in this life. And to say that the broken places in my story, oh, my God, that's where the light came through. Yeah. And I have looked at those places and I have then put them back together in this beautiful sort of tapestry. Um, this this work of, you know, mosaic and light and and truly... Um, I look at myself as a brand new being yeah yeah and I I love the journey now I didn't always love the journey but I sure love it now
0: <laughs> I and I'm so happy to hear you say that. I applaud you Michelle that's I, I think that that's phenomenal because it it does take a lot of courage and strength to to especially in situ, a situation like you uh, have come from to, face everything and not know, you know, when we face those pieces of ourselves or those darkness, shadows, things within us, uh, like feeling unwanted and all that, it, we don't know what we're going to find. We don't know that there's light on the other side. But I, And I just want to say this to everybody, whether you've been adopted or not, it's so important, especially right now, everybody, to face those shadow pieces because like you just said Michelle that's the only way you can you can create a more beautiful life that is filled with light and 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 made the way you i choose to make it not the way i was told or the expectation that was nonverbal of how i should be I, you we can live our life by facing that shadow so is it important as an adoptee to find your birth parents and face them in talking about that kind of stuff? Is it important in order for healing? I think it's important
1: to speak to those places, whether that's face-to-face with bio family members or within you know your own moment of stillness or with yourself. I think there's it's so important to find safe, sacred space to speak to those parts of yourself. Now, um, can I say that I had um that moment with my bio mom i did i've had several moments with her but one of the most she passed away in 2019 but one of the most profound um and i write about it in the book was when i was visiting her as an adult and she brought me into her bedroom she said i have something to show you and it was the original relinquishment letter and i had the copy but i'd never seen the original one and the original one just hit me differently as i held it i could literally feel the um, the you know indention on the paper of where she wrote in ink her name to relinquish her rights to parent me, and I told her that it feels different like holding this, mom, um, because I I literally can feel that moment like moving through. Wow, wow! And um, I said, I think we both started to cry, just buckets and buckets. And I said, I think what happened, it came to me in that moment, like just a bolt of lightning when you relinquished your rights to parent me, I think I may have relinquished my rights in that moment to love me. And my journey has been getting oh. back to that place. Oh my
0: goodness. I got it chills. I got chills. Oh, yeah,
1: it was a very powerful moment for us, but I had to speak that to her. I, I had to be transparent and truthful in, in her presence, but most importantly in my presence. And right. I think that that's something that, could I have said that, to myself in the mirror, yes, I, I, I could I have. Not, I, I did not have the opportunity to have that kind of moment with my bio father. I've had moments of connection with him via intuitives on a spiritual level and they've been very powerful, but I've also journaled a lot and I've spoken to him in, in photos and those types of things. Um, it's so important to access um, that truth and to speak it out loud, to move it through your body, to process it, to get it out, to write it down. Whether we have that face-to-face or not, the work of doing that and connecting with that part of ourselves is so important for adoptees, I think, to reconnect um,
0: to the truth of who they are, the energy of who they are. Right. The truth of who we are, yes. And and so uh, this is why I also... uh, enjoy the exercises you've created because they're journaling exercises with potent, potent questions. And so one of them, I just saw you you uh, encourage uh, the person doing the work to write uh, a welcome to the world invitation. I'm like gonna Michelle, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use it with my clients. a welcome to the world invitation because so many of us, whether we're adopted or not, especially women, I think, Don't feel welcomed and included, and then you have, and then the process is write it out and then read it out loud and and step into it. And I love that you did that. And I and some of your other exercises in here are just I I just love them, Michelle. It's it's useful for everyone, anyone.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm just like I want to just come over and hug you for (laughs) a second. Thank you so much. I am hugging you right now from afar. Yeah, you know, welcoming ourselves into our life, into the fullness of living. Uh, you know, we so often adopt it or not, we just feel like yeah. life has caused us to stand on the sidelines of our own life. And so, this is a moment very early in the book to create your own welcome to the world invitation. What's that going to look like? Who would be there with you? How are you going to celebrate your life, your one unique, beautiful life? And we don't do that. We don't celebrate the life that we've been given. And we are so often moved to feel so marginalized and and disconnected from life. And so this is an opportunity for the reader to reconnect with the beauty that is their life. I understand there are hard moments within life and within this experience of living. But when we welcome ourselves into all of it, I think it shifts the energy. And um, it's a very powerful exercise.
0: So thank you. Yes. So I have another question. Um, Actually, I have a couple more questions, but um, okay, let's talk about Roe versus Wade. Because with that being overturned, not more, okay, in my opinion, uh, with the choice a woman could have to either carry to full term or terminate there's going to be a lot more children born in the world that aren't going to need to be adopted because the woman has to just go full term because of that uh, overruling. Um, So, so what would you say to someone who is in that position uh, of having to see, because this goes back to having the emotional feelings and you're pregnant, you know, and, Oh my God! So the so the mom is having all these emotions of Oh my God, I'm pregnant and whatever the whatever the circumstances, and it's affecting that child. And so, in, even if you are going to give your child up for adoption, you could still parent them before the birth, right? Yeah, absolutely. That parenting
1: starts as we have discussed in utero. I just think, I mean, I literally have chills as you you, um, share this with me because I have thought about it a lot. And I think that what we need to understand is that women are going to need us more than ever to come along their side and to help them and to support them um, because the children that they are carrying are going to feel all of it. They feel the discord they feel the judgment, they feel the anger, they feel the injustice, whatever side you stand on. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like we have to come together and be on the side of the child and help the mother because this impacts generations to
0: come. Exactly. Generations to come. It's not just one life. It's multiple. Um, So Now, Michelle, I I read that you have adopted. So how has your healing uh, supported you in raising your children or your child? I am an adoptee who has
1: adopted. I have two children um, who are um, international adoptees from Russia and Ethiopia. And I would say that, you know, I I didn't adopt to, I, I, I don't, see adoption as uh, this opportunity uh, to to save a child or you know I that's not at all or to feel fill some empty space inside of myself I I chose adoption it came to me very organically I followed um, my intuition and at the very end of the day I will tell you that I am able to look at my children and say I understand mm. I honor your first parents I know that what you've been through is, hard. It's challenging those earliest chapters. Um, I know that there is loss that brought us together. I want us to always be able to talk about that loss. I want to support you in being you and whatever that looks like for you. I am not here to narrate your life story. I am not here to tell you who you are going to be. I am literally, deeply, profoundly blessed to be able to walk along your side as that unfolding happens. And as we walk together, we walk with your ancestors by our side as well. And so there is an honoring of their story, their journey, their ancestral lines, their countries, their culture that must happen. And I believe that that has been so beautiful Um, to offer them. And and I only could offer it it to them because I did the work to offer it to myself. Yes. And I'm more aware of that profound and innate need. They need that from me. We are a shared family, and I share in their beautiful Ethiopian and Russian cultures, and we celebrate that. And um, we have a multicultural family that at its root... Is built on the honoring of diversity and the
0: profound beauty of inclusion. Oh my God, I want you to be my mom, Michelle. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh, you're so I, sweet. Just, I'm, No, I mean it. Because, man, that's if every child could have that kind of uh, aware parent, whether or not you're adopted, it just would, it just, my God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the chaos we're in right now. That's my opinion. But a lot of there's a lot of chaos. There's there. a lot, yeah. And to honor the humanity and the cultures, that's so fabulous, so fabulous. Thank you so much for doing the work you do. Thank you for doing the work you do. I'm so honored to sit with you in this conversation. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um. I interviewed uh, uh, a couple of women who went through infertility, and they curated a book of artwork and writings for healing Uh, the the feeling of being broken and diseased. It's now a disease, Jesus. Um, And and so, and these women have adopted. So I just want to say that out loud to everybody because if you are experiencing infertility and you are considering adoption, you got to get Michelle's book <laughs> because it will help. Uh, it'll help uh, pave the way. It's not even breadcrumbs, so you can follow. It'll help pave the way from what I've read, um, so that you can be like Michelle just described uh, a better parent, a better person. And that's why the book's called Let Us Be Greater. Michelle Madrid, thank you so much for for everything, for everything. What an honor and a pleasure to be in your presence and have this conversation and I, you and you guys, it's just the tip of the iceberg this conversation. But get I really encourage you get her book because it doesn't matter we all need healing and it doesn't matter if you were adopted or not. The exercises and the insight and um, everything that Michelle's put in here from her own heart, I think would, would help anyone. It would help anyone. So is there any one thing you want to say before we close, Michelle? I'm deeply and profoundly touched
1: by your kind words, your kindness. I have made a new, beautiful, illuminating friend on this day, so I'm very grateful. I would just like to say, I think as we close, for those listening to remember that the light around you is great, but the light within you is greater.
0: Go there and connect. Oh my God, I got chills again. Thank you so, so much. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at Susan That's it for today. See you next time.